0: I want you to understand that no matter how many Sabbaths we keep, no matter how many uh, how much tithe we pay, no matter how many veggie links we eat, it does not matter if our sin bill has not been paid. I've got a sin bill that's been racking up, but thanks be to God, I know a man named Jesus Christ that paid my sin bill one day. Would you say amen? It is Jesus that saved and only Jesus. This is the Ipsy SDA Media Network. Some of us are like babies in the faith. God has cleansed us and God is working on our hearts. And instead of obeying him, like he would say to the leper, go and sin no more. We decide to go back into the same mess that got us dirty in the first place. When if we would just stay in the path, if when we would just choose to follow God, maybe he, we can maintain our cleanliness. Because the most important thing in the Christian life is the character. You've got to talk to me. The most important thing in the Christian life is the character. So God wants us to be different by our character. Are you ready? That's the question. Are, Are you ready? That is, do you have the character that qualifies you to be a citizen in the kingdom of heaven? And so I want to go to the book of Ephesians, and I want us to look at the fifth chapter. And I want us to look at the 25th verse, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. We will focus on the B section in particular of that verse. I know some of you are looking at me and saying, I didn't know there was a B section to any verse. I didn't either, until I got to Andrew. (laughs) And they taught us how to do all those things. But I want to focus on the second section of that verse. But before we do that, I want to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to be here in your house. I have not a sermon for the people, but you have a sermon for us. And so I ask that you will speak, and you will give us whatsoever it is that we need at this present time. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. My heart is heavy today. Last night, as I was spending some time with some friends, we were enjoying a wonderful evening of laughter and watching some TV and just doing what friends do, these friends being some of my closest friends, so close that one might even be able to say that they are family. And so as I was spending time with them, we were laughing and joking, and suddenly our laughter stopped when I received the message that a friend from high school had passed away. He had been battling cancer for two years, and we knew that this moment would come. Some months ago, they had let us know that the illness was terminal, that the cancer kept coming back, and that he probably wouldn't make it through the year. We knew the day would come. But death is a strange thing. No matter how much you prepare for it, it always catches you by surprise. And so, all night and all day, I've been thinking about that. And I had something that I was going to say, but I just couldn't let that moment loose. Because it consumed me this morning, as I thought about someone who I shared the classroom with, someone who I had group projects with, someone whom I knew so well is no longer with us today. Someone who was the same age as me. Life is a fragile thing. And don't give me that, oh, it depends on how old you are, that age garbage. No matter how old you may be, life is a fragile thing. Uh, Your theme today is, are you ready for Jesus to come? I have shortened it to, are you ready, simply put. Because although my friend was not a Christian, he was a Muslim, he was religious nonetheless... And this morning when I woke up, I received a message on WhatsApp from other friends that was forwarded to me from him that he recorded in the hospital just before he died, in which he said one thing that struck me. He said, my brothers, I'm all right, and I want you to know that I'm forgiven. He said, I just want you to know that God has forgiven me. Of course, as tears were falling down my eyes, I couldn't let that moment loose because as I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about the, uh, the theme, which is, are you ready for Jesus to come? I am thinking about his life and how his life is no longer with him, but we have the promise of life beyond the grave. Would you say amen? amen. But as I'm thinking about all of these things, something came into my mind, and that is the question, Chase, are you ready I don't know if I will be around when Jesus will come I hope I will be but I do not have that promise as Adventists we do not know for tomorrow is not promised and so whether or not we were to die tonight or whether we were to see Jesus break forth through the clouds we still have the same question are you ready? And our passage does not particularly deal with that question, but it does deal with something that I think is essential to being ready. I've heard a lot of theories on how to be ready for the second coming of Christ. I have heard those who talk about how in order to be ready, you must give up all your flesh diet and become a vegetarian, maybe even a vegan in order to prepare for the second coming. I've heard that. I have heard some say that in order to be uh, in the kingdom of God, every sin that you have ever committed in your life must be forgiven. I believe that. Would you say amen? I've heard many theories about how to prepare for the second coming of Christ. I've heard some say that in order to be ready for the second coming, you must leave the city and move to the country. In the middle of nowhere somewhere. And that's how you prepare for the second coming of Jesus. And I think that there is some value to all of these things. But all of these things have forgotten one particular thing that is most important. That is the only person that can prepare you for the second coming of Christ is Christ himself. What do you say? We get so consumed in the external processes of this work. We get so consumed in what people see that we think that all the things on the outside is more important than what Christ is doing on the inside. And so the text says in Ephesians 5 and verse 25, I told you, I'm starting with the B section. Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. That's what the ESV says without spot or wrinkle and that she might be holy and without blemish. Now, I read it too fast, so maybe we may have missed something that I want us to focus on right now. Notice what it says. It says, Christ loved the church. That Christ gave himself for her. That Christ might sanctify her. That Christ might cleanse her. That Christ might present the church to himself without spot or wrinkle. There is nothing in the text that the church has done you're too quiet for me today I said there's nothing in the text that the church has done it does not say that the church was keeping the Sabbath holy it does not say that the church was studying so hard that God had to let them into the kingdom of heaven the text particularly focuses on what Christ is doing for the church that is to say there is nothing you can do to save yourself we need Jesus And I don't know what it is with us. I don't know what's wrong with Seventh-day Adventists that think they can work their way into heaven. (laughs) They think the more we eat uh, veggie links and the the more Sabbaths we keep and the more money we pay, that is how we get into heaven. We must understand we are sinful no matter what. (laughs) You remember, I don't know if I told you this, but just this past year I worked at uh, an academy, an Adventist academy. And if you know me, you know I went to public school. So, you know, I know nothing about Adventist academies. I learned about it last year. Number one, I learned Adventist academies are the most expensive things on the planet. I don't know how we're going to get the people in the schools if we got all that money to pay. And I learned something that no matter how great your grades may be, you might have a 4.0 GPA, you might have perfect honors, you might have the best attendance in the world, but if your school bill is not paid, you will not walk across that stage at the end of the year. Are you with me? If your school bill is not paid, I want you to understand that no matter how many Sabbaths we keep, no matter how, many, uh, how much tithe we pay, no matter how many veggie links we eat, it does not matter if our sin bill has not been paid. I've got a sin bill that's been racking up, but thanks be to God, I know a man named Jesus Christ that paid my sin bill one day. Would you say Amen. It is Jesus that saves, and only Jesus. Peter said it in his sermon. He said, there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved except the name of Christ. We must understand that Christ is the center of our salvation, and we cannot work our way into heaven. There are three things in particular to the passage that I find so interesting. Are you ready to delve into the passage today? I hope you came for Bible study. I know it's a prayer summit, but we've got to dig in the word of God, would you say amen? Ellen White says if you pray all the time and you pray at some point, if you pray and don't study the word, you'll stop praying. You need something to pray about, are you with me? So the text says that Christ sanctifies the church. He what, everybody? He sanctifies the church. In the book of uh, Thessalonians, Paul uses a word that comes from this word, which is the word called sanctification. And the interesting thing about the Greek is that the word sanctification is a word that it, 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 uh, it suggests a process. Sanctification is not something that happens in an instant. See, sometimes we think that we were converted on a specific day that was the day that i gave my life to jesus that was the day that i changed you know i don't do those things anymore because on that day i i I got dipped in the water and i'm a new man but according to this text sanctification is a process ellen white would suggest that sanctification is the work of a lifetime. In other words, from the moment in which you accept Jesus Christ, God begins his work. And as Paul says in Philippians, he that has begun a great work in you will finish it and he will perform it until the day in which he returns. So sanctification is a process. The problem is, is that some of us get on the process and then we get off the process and then we get on the process and then we get off the process instead of just staying on the path. Uh, You got to understand, I have a problem when I get on the highways. I don't like being behind other cars. And so when I'm on the highway, one of the things that I do is I like to weave. But the problem with weaving is the more you weave, the more gas you waste. Are y'all with me today? And so if we would just learn to just stay on the path that God has outlined for us, maybe we wouldn't have to waste some things in our life. Maybe we would be able to conserve some energy. Maybe we, we, we would be able to save some vitality in us if we just stay on the path. God has put us in a process, and so we must be willing to stick with the process. That's number one. And then the text goes on to say that not only does he sanctify her, the church, but he also cleanses her, cleanses her. I was thinking about this as I was coming here, and I I laughed because, you know, I I don't like babies. It's because I've never had a baby. You should have said amen. I know my mom is shouting over there. You know, my mom always says, you ain't got nobody to worry about. You ain't got no kids and you ain't got no woman. So just take care of yourself. Somebody say amen to Jesus. And so I'm not a baby person. But while I was at the academy, there was somebody that had adopted a child. And so she would always need help to uh, take care of the child. And so sometimes I would have the child in my arms. And you kind of fall in love with the thing, you know. But, but, but then the child makes you mad. And see, the reason why the child makes you mad is because because she just bathed the baby. And now after she has just bathed the baby, when you feed the baby, the baby decides to throw all of the food, not in their mouth, but on themselves. I said she just bathed the baby. And now for some reason, the baby decides to get dirty again. Some of us are like babies in the faith. God has cleansed us and God is working on our hearts. And instead of obeying him, like he would say to the leper, go and sin no more, we decide to go back into the same mess that got us dirty in the first place. When if we would just stay in the path, if when we would just choose to follow God, maybe we can maintain our cleanliness. See, God is doing an amazing thing in his church. I find it so interesting because I have seen people struggle with addiction, but when they give their life to God, he changes them. I have seen people struggle with pride and and so many other things in life. And God is so awesome that he is able to turn our lives around. But for some reason, we keep going back to the same stuff. Now, y'all know I didn't plan on saying any of this today. This is the Holy Spirit talking to us. Are you with me? God wants us on the path. And he wants to make sure that we're ready but we've got to be willing to let him do his work he sanctifies the church he he cleanses the church but then but then it keeps going and it says he's at the end he presents the church to himself oh it's so cool you know i'm not a cook kennedy's a cook and I have a problem, I go home, and she's gonna tell you. I go home and I say, Kennedy, will you make me this? And she says, make it your doggone self. And, but see, I'm not a cook, you understand what I'm saying? She, if, if there's a chef in the house, I'm manipulating her so she make me something later, you know. I, it, <laughs> but I'm not a cook, but I will say something. When I do cook something, I take pride in that. I remember one time I, I decided, I, it was Black History Month, and I was at Andrews, and, and I decided that I was going to have a soul food dinner. I woke up one day and I, I cut up some greens and, and put some onions in the greens and let it slow cook on the crock pot. Y'all with me today? I, I let it slow cook and then, and, then, and then I made some, forgive me, macaroni and cheese, and, and, and then I chopped up some yams and put them in the oven with some brown sugar and some. But y'all with me today, I, I, I let it cook and I had a soul food dinner. And when that food came out the oven and the crock pot and everything, man, I felt good. I, I, I was taking pictures of the food and sending it to everybody. Because I was proud of what I had done. And, and, and let me say something. God has the ability to have a little bit of pride. Because when you look at where you used to be, and at the end of time when God brings you to where you're supposed to be, I know God looks at you and says, I did that. You know, I, I did that right there. And so the Bible says he wants to present to himself something special. He wants to present to himself something special. But notice the words that are used in the passage. It says, he will present to himself a church in splendor without spot or wrinkle. Huh? He will present to himself a church with no blemishes. No blemishes. I don't know how that's possible. But with men, it may be impossible. But when God is in the midst, all things are you with me today somehow god will work some miracle in my life so when i walk on heaven you might not recognize me are you with me it says he will present a church to himself without spot or wrinkle but this is the word i want to focus on it says that she should be holy you know we confuse the word holy because we try to use it to describe ourselves we try to make ourselves holy instead of trying to conform to the god that is holy and so one thing that we, we try to do is we make holiness seem like it's an external thing. Holiness, we make it seem like it's an external thing, but the truth is holiness is an internal thing. We make it seem like the way we dress makes us holy or, or the food we eat or the places we go. We, we're holy because we haven't watched movies since. Uh, but, but, but none of these things indicate real holiness. In fact, Paul says there's a group of people that have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Paul says there's some people that look holy on the outside. When you see them, you're like, oh, there's some different people. But on the inside, when you meet them, when they get in board meeting, and y'all ain't with me today, y'all too quiet in this church. When they meet someone they don't like, they just turn into a different person. But the text says they should be holy. Holy is an internal thing. Now, the way I illustrate this is, at Andrews University, they have these special things called breakfast burritos. Now, some of you are saying, what is that? It's a burrito, but for breakfast, okay? And inside of the breakfast burrito is striples, eggs, uh, cheese, and chipotle sauce, all wrapped into a delectable tortilla. It makes you feel so good when you wake up in the morning and you say, I'm hungry. I'm going to get a breakfast burrito on the way to class. And you bite into stripples and, and eggs and cheese with, with chipotle sauce. Ooh, it makes you feel good. It's not the tortilla, but it's what's it's on the inside. <laughs> I remember one day I woke up and I decided I was going to get a breakfast burrito and when I went to the cafeteria and got my breakfast burrito to go, I was walking out and I bit into my breakfast burrito and it did not taste the same because there were no stripples in my burrito. And the thing that makes a breakfast burrito nice is that there are stripples in the burrito. Listen to me, what makes the church different is not how it looks, it's what's on the inside. What distinguishes us from everyone else is what's on the inside. And so if the character of God is perfectly fashioned on the inside, then we look different. It doesn't matter if you wear jewelry or not. When they hear you open your mouth and see the love that is coming out of your heart, then they'll know you're a Christian. Bible doesn't say by your Sabbath keeping they'll know that you serve God. The Bible says if you love one another, then they'll know that you're my disciples it's what's on the inside and so what God is trying to do is he's trying to perfectly reproduce his character in our hearts on the inside and for some reason we emphasize all these interesting things they're good things you know but do we talk about how a soft answer turneth away wrath do we talk about how that we should be angry and not sin- Do we talk about that? I hear a lot on the Sabbath. I hear a lot on prophecy. But do we talk about how Matthew 18 tells us how we should solve conflict in the church? Do we talk about those things? Because those are the things that prepare us to be citizens in the kingdom of heaven. Wait, let me pause there. Heaven is not defined by looks. It is defined by character. And as the old preachers would say, the only thing you can take into the kingdom of God is your character. Throw away the long skirts and they will burn in the fire. But in the kingdom of heaven, the only thing you can take is your character. I'm not saying we got to get rid of our distinctive features on the external side. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't think that. What makes an Adventist on the outside an Adventist is a good thing, would you say amen? But I'm saying we emphasize the wrong stuff sometimes. On this earth, when Jesus was walking on this earth, Jesus was trying to find a people with the right character. He was trying to show them the right character. In the bible you do not read about what jesus was eating because it's not important in the bible you do not read about if jesus went to uh this place on tuesday morning or if he went to that it's not important he talks about his healing and it talks about those things that are a manifestation of his character because the most important thing in the christian life is the character you got to talk to me the most important thing in the christian life is the character so god wants us to be different by our characters are you ready that's the question Are, are you ready that is do you have the character that qualifies you to be a citizen in the kingdom of heaven and so the text says the text says that Christ loved the church that he gave himself for her that he might sanctify it he cleansed it and that he might present it to himself as holy as different as separate from everyone else not by its looks but by its character i love this passage because it's not about me it's about jesus see the reason why i love this passage because it's not about me and it's about jesus because look when i think about all the stuff that people have to do in order to be saved i realize something i can't do it i cannot fulfill the requirements into the kingdom of heaven by myself but there is a god who who does not leave me in my mess by myself and that god decided to come down from heaven himself and walk this earth with sinful human beings do you know how pitiful that must have been You sit in heaven. Everybody loves you. They sing your praises and you decide to come down here where they're killing each other left and right. And then they kill you. Jesus decided to come down here because he wanted to save some garbage out of garbage. He thought he could salvage something. This is real. There is someone who loved me so much that he would do that for me. I must close. I must close. The text begins by saying Christ loved the church. What Jesus does for us is a manifestation of his love. See, my past life is already what disqualifies me from heaven, already right there. Because of what I did in the past, I shouldn't go. Even if I changed my life today because of what I did in the past, I shouldn't go. I don't deserve it. But Jesus. But grace. The free gift of God. And he says, guess what? Guess what? I know what you did in the past, but I can reorder your steps. I can redeem your time. I can make you a better person. And you sit back and you say, Lord, how you doing? Don't worry about it. Just trust me. And see, the thing that we must learn is in order for God to do his work, we have to be willing to submit. That, that's the word of the day. We have to be willing to submit to him. Submission is a word we don't like. I don't need to submit. I'm a, I'm, I'm a strong black man. I don't need to submit to anybody. But the God who created you knows what's best for you. And so submission really benefits you in the long run. We need to submit so that he can do his work. I'll tell you a story, and then I'm getting ready to go. I, I had to get my phone fixed. It was messing up. It was glitching, so I went to the Apple Store, and I had to get my phone fixed. And, and I don't believe in people being all up in your business. And so I get to the Apple Store, and when I get there, the guy says, well, in order for me to fix your phone, I need to have full access to your phone. I looked at him and said, no, you don't. He said, you fix it right there, right in front of me. With with what I gave you. He said, no, no, no. I need to have full access to your phone. I don't know what he's going to do. He might steal my identity. You know, he might. I don't know. But in order to get the work done, in order to live with a fixed phone, I needed to give him permission to have access and so that he can do his work. In order for God to do his thing in our lives, we need to give him permission to have access to every crevice of your life, every secret thing, stuff you don't even tell your spouse. God needs to have access to so that he can do his thing. And in the end, you'll be functioning better than you were before. In the end, you'll understand that you were like that demoniac that was in the Gadarenes. He was seated and he was clothed in his right mind. In the end, you will look back and sing the song of my favorite singer. You won't be singing the song of Moses. You'll sing the song of Mahalia Jackson. That's what I say. And the song of Mahalia Jackson will say how I got over. My soul looks back in wonder how I got I don't understand it, but I can just look at God and say how I got over. So, I think about my friend last night he's resting now you know there are people that say he's up in heaven somewhere but we know he's resting now and the Lord will return and the Lord will save those who have submitted to him but I I I think about the message that was sent to us the video the recording voice recording and I've never heard someone sound so peaceful. He was not perfect, but he was at peace. The man I knew was not sinless, but he was forgiven. So he said. A few months ago, I met a man who was closely connected to someone who had been executed during the Trump administration. In 2020 or 2021, I believe, there was a man by the name of Brandon Bernard. Some of you have heard of him. He was an Adventist and he was caught at the wrong place and at the wrong time. 20 years ago, he was taken into prison and he was placed on death row. But if you know anything about American politics, you know that there has been a stay of executions over the last 20 years. And in 2021, I believe, Trump expedited some executions. And among those was a man named Brandon Bernard. Brandon Bernard was to be executed that December. And the pastor whom I spoke with, who was his pastor on record and his best friend, said to me with tears in his eyes, when he went to the correctional facility where his friend was to be executed, he said there was no anger on his friend's face. There was no malice. There was no evil. He, he was not upset because he was at peace. And when they strapped him down on the chair to give him his lethal injection, he said that he didn't cry. He didn't moan, but he simply started to say these words, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then he finished, thy kingdom come, thy will. And he took his last breath. Peace, peace. And that has stuck with me. What could give a man such peace? I can tell you, I've talked to the Lord. I have something that I believe about it now. I believe that when that man started to pray, like Stephen, when he was executed in Acts, he saw the heavens open, and Jesus Christ was standing up. And I believe as that man saw Jesus, he knew that he was at peace. He knew that his sins had been forgiven. And he knew this, that the man who began that work has finished it. And now he's waiting and resting in his grave for the second coming of Jesus. Are you ready? Today might be your last day, but are you ready? You might be among those who see Jesus come in the sky, literally, are you ready? You must understand this sermon was not for you, it was for me. I just let you listen in. And so if you somehow get caught through a few drops of rain that was pouring on me, then that's enough. God wants to know if we're ready. And if we're not, there is no hope. Because he says, I can make you ready. Because God is in the business of preparing souls for his kingdom. He loves you too much to lose you. He loves you too much to lose you. I'm gonna close, and I'm going to do something interesting. And that is i is, we're not a packed house, so I want us to pray together. And so as I close, I want us to just come a little closer. Is that all right? If you're online, you can pray with us and just kneel in your living room or wherever you may be, but come a little closer to me. I want us to pray together because I believe that God is not speaking to just one or two people he's not just appealing for just one or two people because he wants to save an entire world heaven will be full and whatever you think was packed down here will be ten times bigger maybe even millions times bigger in the kingdom of heaven and so I want us to pray that we might be willing to submit to God and let him do his work In us. We can't do it ourselves. Father in heaven, I thank you because you have reordered our focus. There are many, many things that we have allowed to distract us from what is pressing in these last days. It might be those worldly things out there that have consumed our attention. Or maybe it is a false pretense Of self-righteousness whatever it may be today you have come down from heaven sent your Holy Spirit to fall like a dove in this room and you have attempted to refocus us and we thank you because of your spirit now we have a little bit more understanding of what needs to be done but we are because what needs to be done we cannot do we are intimidated because the work is a bit too extensive for us it's too grand for us to accomplish for ourselves so we come to you because the text said that you would do it the text said that you would accomplish it so I'm begging Lord keep your own promise I remember when I was a child that I would hear the old saints call out your name and tell you, do what you said you're going to do. I'm not asking you to do something out of the ordinary. I'm asking you to work in your own character and work out your purposes in us. There are those in this room who are willing to submit, they're willing to stay on the path, they're willing to let you cleanse. We want to be different not different than other people we want to be different than how we used to be but most of all we want to make it because life down here just ain't good enough but there is a place oh i thank you lord there is a place that all of us can gather together and we won't need to have a prayer summit up there because we will enjoy face-to-face communion with you and all the angels so lord prepare us Prepare us, work in our hearts, so that we might be qualified as citizens of heaven. But more importantly, work in us so that you might be able to present us to yourself as your prized possession. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.